Dude, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast right now. We have a decent amount of people with face tattoos. <laughs> I seriously doubt that, dude. <laughs> I know like one wait, person on earth. Wait, which podcast is this? Slow down. Welcome back, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Slow down, season two is upon us. What up, Russ? What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? I just you're just happy we're back. I'm happy, dude. I'm happy to be back, dude. I'm happy to be. 2019, new year, new season. <laughs> you know what my motto is for this year? No, but I bet you're gonna tell me. New year, new you. Oh, dude. <laughs> new year, new me. Dude, there's just something about when the calendar goes from December 31st to January 1st. It's like clean slate. All my yeah. sins are forgiven. <laughs> I get a second chance because you know God's a God of second chances. And I'm just excited, dude, to like fully um, embrace, commit to, and accomplish all my goals this year and i'm just yeah. i can't i couldn't be happier and more excited to press forward with a new me and a new year so i got a few i got a few things that i'm going to be working on this year you want to hear a few of them yeah man we can take a minute what do you, what do you got um so first thing is i need to lose 50 pounds and i basically came to that realization when my daughter Anna got a hoverboard and I exceeded the weight limit on it. I, I literally, <laughs> all, my, all my friends and everybody in the family was having like a lot of fun jumping on it and seeing if they can do it. And I didn't even have a chance to make a fool of myself because I exceeded the weight limit by 30 pounds. Mm. Well, 38 technically, because the weight limit's 220. So you do the math, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 258. Mm. So I need to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to plant 50 churches. Okay. 50 pounds, year. 50 churches. 50 pounds, 50 churches. You're seeing the theme here? I like it, dude. Keep going. Dude, dude aim high, bro. Yeah. Aim high. I'm going to read 104 books. <laughs> that's No, that's two books a week. So I saw people were going to do like 52 books. And I was just like, ye of little faith. I'm not going to fight with my wife. All right. No fights with my wife. I'm writing all this down, by the way, just to hold you accountable. Yep. I'm not going right. to fight with my wife, and uh, I'm going to get a face tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was, like, optimistically um, hanging with you there, just trying to be an encouraging brother <laughs> as you laid out. Yeah, as you laid out your list. There's just but, something um, powerful, dude, about – the start of a new year there is but like, there's something even more powerful about not getting a face tattoo <laughs> <laughs> i don't know dude imagine all the doors that will open to me if i get a face tattoo yeah yeah i'm just saying dude dude i'm moving up in the world man i'm aiming high big things new year new me new you 
And dude, I'm telling you another thing that is a goal of mine is to not make this podcast suck. Yeah, that one for sure. I'm with you. That's my, that's really the only resolution I have this year. <laughs> it's, it's because I'm going to just have some fun, enjoy some good food, good conversation, right? Make some new friends, share some good news, and, uh, and do my best to not make this podcast season two suck. Yeah, yeah because we, we've gotten some feedback from people about slow down. You know, they say, hey, listen, love, love the content, really encourage when I, when I tune in. Um, that was like most, of the, like most of the responses that we've got. Yeah, right? but there was this little but from everybody. Well, not from everybody, but there was a but from, from a couple of people. Yeah. Let's just call them haters. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We love yes. them, though. Haters in their butts, and, and their big thing is you guys, you banter too much. You laugh and joke and have fun too much. Who yeah. seriously comes to someone and is like, hey, love that <laughs> podcast. My one, my one thing. Yeah. Stop having so much fun. Well, you could, you could see Jesus doing that, you know, like going into a party at Zacchaeus' house, you know, looking around, like, calm down, calm down. <laughs> hey, you, you, what y'all doing there? There? Huh? Huh? What's going on over here? I don't even know. I don't even know. You better put that beer down. You better stop laughing. Yeah. Get down off the roof. <laughs> Get down off that tree, Zacchaeus. You're going to hurt yourself. No, you can't do a flip to the pool from here. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I think what we'll do, man, I think we'll, uh, we'll definitely be diving in some good content this year. I am excited about season two and everything that we've got lined up. Um, just different people that we're going to have joining in on a variety of conversations. But I think we just need to stay tethered, man, to that quote we saw when we were in Dublin. Uh, right? That one on the wall? Yep. Mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, like Finnegan's Wake or something, I think it said. Uh, they came. What did it say? They came. They, they lived. They laughed. They loved. And they left. Mm. That's that. it, dude. That's yeah, us, man. That's what we did when we went to Dublin. It is. It definitely is. And we had a great time there. Definitely did that. But I think that's what we'll do, man. We're going to live. We're going to laugh. We're going to love, right, while we learn. And, uh, and one day we'll leave. Amen. Yeah. So I hope everyone was picking up on my sarcasm about my new year, new me resolutions because uh, – Not that those are bad, right? They're not. Like they're bad. Yeah, no, there's people all. out there that are true goal setters, discipline, like it's just in their wiring. Yes. To which case I'm like, man, amen, running that. But then there's also a lot of other people in the world, um, myself included, that, uh, yeah, not, not so much. Right. So there's grace for both the, of us. Yeah. The whole, and we'll get into this, but um, the good news of it, that um, most people do those things out of a place of um, shame, guilt. They feel like they need to improve themselves. And you stick around this podcast enough, we're going to dive into good news and yeah, why man. changes all that and why you can even set goals for yourself like read 104 books in a year right with no pressure no anxiety purely because you just simply want to do it and if you hit it amen and if you don't amen all good still loved let's get rolling let's do it man so what we're going to do today is um i'm going to interview you russ a little bit um, we already know where we're going. We're going to introduce um, that 
And um, so let's just kick it off with this. Um, one of the things that we really learned this past year um, after just being at this for three, four years and doing yeah. a number of different things, um, working through a number of things as a network, developing resources, uh, talking with leaders, training leaders, starting new works, being a part of new works ourselves. One of the big things that really stuck out to us as a core foundational thing is this idea of, of language and the power of language. So I'm going to act oh, like a little bit of a, an interviewer here uh, because I really want um, people to hear from you, especially on this. And I've learned a ton from you on this. So man, just with the idea of language and not like foul language or bad language, but language in terms of foundational language that we might see things, uh, believe things, value things and walk in things. Um, man, just share a little bit about what language is um, and how you've just come to see the power of it. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, just kind of picking up where, where you just shared that, that little line that you just passed on there. I would say that's probably the, at the core of what we've found. We, there's, a, there's a lot of effort, a lot of energy that's spent pressing into what it is that we go and do. And we're definitely in a, right, like a just do it culture. That's something we all get. So the whole performance, progress, measure, map, manage, you know, all those things. That's where we are just as a society, as a people. And you find that inside and outside the church. But what we have found in, in really pressing out on the things of Jesus and, and, and where we're seeing the most fruit of people grabbing onto those things and walking in it wasn't so much by focusing on behavior and not, but really belief. Hmm. And so if you kind of walk backwards, behaviors are all sort of um, indicative, right? They're, ref they're reflections of what we value. Because hmm. what you ultimately value, you'll do. Um, whether it's how you spend your time, your energy, your money, you know, et cetera. Where I put a tattoo. Right, right. Like depending on what you value, which I hope changes. <laughs> yeah, like if I value attention, then I'm going to get a tattoo on my face. Right. And if you're listening to this and you have a face tattoo, we do love you. <laughs> and uh, we're not saying that that's why you But come it. on, you're a little needy for attention if you have a face tattoo. Just kidding. I have lots of friends with face tattoos and they hate people, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So. Do not edit that out. I will get a guest on the show with a face tattoo that will tell you I got these tattoos so that people will not talk to me. Okay. So back to what I was saying, the things that we value in this life stem from what we ultimately believe. Mm -hmm. And what we have found is that language really provides this pretty critical foundation for, for people seeing something that they can actually experience that, you know, that, that leads to the beliefs that they grab onto. Mm -hmm. And so just impressing into that throughout the year and training people, which we've been doing for about four or five years as a network, but I'd say over the last year, we really got to hone in on seeing the fruit from that. And it's sort of like a cool illustration that, that we picked up along the way from a guy named Steve Jones that sort of centers around just this power of language. For those of you out there that, are, that were skeptics like me on like, okay, language, I get it. Like it I know it's, it's important, but is it, you know, is it that critical? Um, he passed on this study to me, uh, which kind of dates back to the 1800s. There was a guy that studied uh, some Icelandic, just the core of like Icelandic, uh, Hindu, Arabic, 
you know, languages, some of the, like, like these core languages that we find in, in society, Hindu, um, Chinese, Hebrew. And he found that there was no word for the color blue. I almost and, didn't believe you when you first told me that. Yeah, dude. And I, and I looked at him when he brought that up and I said, okay, hold on a minute. We're talking about language, the power of language. You're talking about the word for the color blue. And he said, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of studies out there that show that maybe people didn't see the color blue until like recent times. And I'm like, do what? And so as we dive into this study and I got a chance to really press in on this, the Egyptians were the first ones to come up with a word for the color blue. And of course they were also the first ones to come up with a dye. But again, when you dive into all these other like core languages, you don't find this word pre right Egyptians. And so he said, you know, this professor from MIT that's done a lot of study on this, you know, basically poises the question, did people not see the color blue until there was a word for it? Because again, when we look at these studies, there's something there that we have to hit a pause button on and go, wait a second, what's going on here? And so a professor from MIT went and took it a step further and went to Africa and hung out with the Nambia tribe, which is a modern day tribe that doesn't have a word for the color blue. And just to sort of test his theory, he sat down in front of him and put together this graph, this image of 11 green squares in a circle with one blue square. And he set them down one by one and said, tell me which square is different. And no one in the tribe pointed to the blue square and said, that one's different. In fact, they all looked at this circle of squares and went, nothing. They're basically all the same. So he then invited English-speaking people in to the study and set them down before it, same image, and immediately everyone said, that one right there, that one's blue, the rest are green. He said, okay. So he then flips the study, goes back to the Nambia tribe, and he takes that blue square and he makes it just a hint of shade, uh, a hint of a, like a shade of green lighter than the other you know, yeah. colors. Sets it down in front of them and immediately every person from this tribe sits down, looks at the image and goes, that one right there, that one's different than, than the rest. And what he points out is that there are different words that are used by this tribe for the color green. And it's the same tribe that immediately noticed one green square that was just a shade lighter than all the rest. He brings that same image before English speaking people and not one person they could point and say that one there. Yeah. A culture, wow. right? Like we have different words for the, for, you know, for colors, for shades of green, but that's not something prominent, right? And it's something that we use in everyday language. Sure. And so he kind of ties all this together through like this, you know, this basically a study that's been sort of looked at for the last couple hundred years that, you know, did people not see the color blue until recent times? Well, you know, that one they can't say because the sky's always been blue. But there is a direct connection between something that might exist right under our nose and our inability to, to see it. Yeah. Apart from a language that allows us to see it. Right. So wherever you stand on that study, I mean you're free to do so, but there's enough evidence there, right? To kind of hit a pause button and go, man, language plays a critical role Huge. in what it is that we see, therefore believe, therefore value, right? And yeah. then therefore begin to live out. We don't have all the time in the world to unpack every blue square moment, every discovery moment that we've had, but just one for me personally um, as someone who's been in ministry for vo in, a vo in a vocational sense since 2006 um, and since 2016 
kind of running with table network, um, doing simple church, uh, more discipleship focus among those uninterested in the church. Um, as I remember being in a position, and I've shared my story in the past. Um, I, I remember being in a position at a very successful church thinking like, man, business is booming. Things are good. You'd hear people talk about how the church is struggling in a post-church, post-Christian context, but I was really insulated from that and just being hit and confronted with uh, the spiritual state of things in the West and looking at that 70% number and just mm. seeing that 70% in any given context and in cities, it's, it's even higher, but 70% aren't interested in attending a church gathering of any kind. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I saw that, and I think the Lord gave me a little bit of humility to really consider that and start thinking about the people around me and to consider my, consider my context, which is Lake County. It's, it's the county of, of the northwest point of Indiana, 500,000 people scattered across 30 different towns and cities. It's very much part of Chicago metro area. And to think, you know what, I, this thing that I thought I was a part of was so successful and we're doing so many cool things. Um, man, most of our growth is transfer growth. People are coming from other churches. And then I saw this, uh, looked at this other church that was pretty successful in our area too, that I thought, and I looked at their total and I knew their total numbers. You know what I'm saying? That they were oh, saying, yeah. I knew ours and I combined them all. And I was like, holy cow, like the two largest gospel preaching churches in my area only account for 7,000 out of 500,000. And I was just overwhelmed, right, by just this idea that most in my context are not going to church services or interested in attending church services. So a whole different approach is needed to really see good news start to be shared in those spaces and places. And God broke my heart for it. So I remember that 70% number, that stat, along with the 96% of church growth being transfer growth. I remember those two things were a huge blue square moment for me that really shaped, uh, you know, really, really started a, tra a trajectory for me for, for ministry over the next four years. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I have you, all the, you, just you to thank for that. <laughs> I don't know about that, man, but, but yeah, just, I think God's grace in the midst of, you know, our ministry stories, right? Our lives, you know, even myself included, you know, seeing those numbers, you know, really played a, a pivotal role in, in awakening to something that I began to believe and value, right? Differently, you know, just like you in that. I, I remember like words that have been sitting in the scriptures, like when, when, it, when the scriptures, when it talks about like Jesus uh, sharing a meal, we read that and yeah. we move on. But if you dig in deeper to like what that actually meant, like what that language Right, Jesus sharing a meal, right, yeah. with prostitutes and dealers and pimps mm -hmm. and tax collectors, and you know this whole scene. The implications of all that, right? Like culturally at the time, he's announcing God's favor and grace and love and acceptance upon a person, right? And saying, "Come to the table with me." Mm -hmm. And just seeing that, you're like, "Whoa!" Like that language, right? Allowed me to see something there. And there's so many other things that I could speak to, and I love that we're going to be diving into a a number of truths that are relevant to all of us in our everyday lives and ministry and just blue square moments in season two. But one specific I'll share now is, is the word sobre mesa. I like that R roll there. That was good. 
It's good, man. I, I practiced it for a while. And I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm not even going to say it again because I don't want to mess it up. I'm already, I'm already going to my goal to learn Spanish this year. I already learned. There we go. Boom. There it is. Wait. So Chinese will be 2020 for you. Okay. Yeah. 2020. So uh, I, I had a friend that handed me this card with this picture of all these people reclined around this table. And you could tell like they had just eaten a meal and there's like, there's bottles of wine and wine glasses and everyone's sort of like kicked back in their chair and they got that, you know, that belt loop undone. It's <laughs> just sort of like relaxing after this meal. And I'm looking at this picture and there's lights above their heads. And I'm like, man, that's it. When I think of, of life and ministry, connecting with people, loving people, discipling people, training people to go walk into things of Jesus, that image for me captured what I wanted to say, what I wanted to be about, what I wanted to create. And I said, man, I would love to, I'd love to play off of this. Like, what is, what is Sobre Mesa? What does that mean? And, and this guy looks at me and he says, oh, um, well, in our culture, that, that's just something that, that we have after a meal. And this was what was crazy. I talked to some friends that were from Puerto Rico and I mentioned this word to them and they had no idea really. They knew it was a Spanish word and it kind of had some connotation of it, but they didn't really quite get it. Talked to some friends that were from Mexico, same thing. But apparently this word is very prominent because it has a, has a, it's a, it's a word that provides meaning. It's a language, right? That, that provides clarity in Argentina. Hmm. It's a part of their culture there. Hmm. And Sobre Mesa is, is, in a sense, the time that you spend around a table to fellowship with one another after a meal. Hmm. And so they, this, this friend that's from Argentina explained to me that after a meal, they would all relax, kick back. You know, you pour a glass of whatever it is that you want to enjoy. And you'll sit, sit there, he said, it's pretty normal for two hours just laughing and impressing in on each other's lives. Mm. I was like, man, that's so beautiful. I, it was, I mean, to me, it was so striking. I almost wanted to name the network this <laughs> Sobre Mesa, but he just kind of laughed. He said, well, most people won't know what it means. He said, in fact, most people, even in Spanish speaking cultures don't know, check that out, what that word means. Yeah. And I was just, for me, that was like this really cool blue square moment, but it was also a, a great reminder this past year of the power of language that allows us to see something we didn't see before. So another one for me just, just recently, um, and there's a number, mo most of the blue square moments for people in and around um, me as I share my blue square moments, mostly about God's grace um, and the nature of God's kingdom and, and God's heart towards people. There's a ton of blue squares around moments around that. Um, and we're going to dive into that even over the next two episodes. But one that recently has emerged, and just a story I want to share is from my friend Michelle um, and her husband, Cody. I was just recently over at their house. She's a vegan chef, just fantastic. Um, mm. Her thing's called The Rad Dish. Um, and Michelle is, um, she's, yeah, Michelle and Cody both. They're just a really, really cool couple. They're part of one of our communities. Um, and they've been running with us now for about a couple of years. And she grew up in like pretty traditional reform churches here in the Midwest, um, Dutch reform churches. And for the longest time, she just thought that the only people that could really be a part of gospel ministry were people with degrees hanging on their walls, titles after their names and offices at churches with lots of shelves filled with big books. Mm. And she is, um, 
she's just really, really embedded and rooted in um, culture, a lot of different spaces that she's a part of, a lot of different tribes of people and pockets and, and different things. And for her, her blue square moment was realizing that the authority of Jesus uh, that extends to the church to, as you go, make disciples and to participate in the sharing of good news, loving well, serving and connecting God's heart, good news, the reality of who Jesus is and his finished work to people is something that she was invited into by God himself, that the authority of Jesus to do that extends to even her. And she's been discovering this in simple ways, everyday ways, mundane ways, as she's um, just started to place a little bit more intentionality and purpose and love in her relationships um, and walk with people and build trust and, and all that. And she's just, she's like on, I hate to use like a cheesy phrase, you know, but like, she's just lit on this. Like she's just on fire um, and so encouraged and has a lot of joy because she's just, she's participating in this commission, this great commission, this good news to disciple. Yeah. That, such a beautiful story, right? Of somebody hearing about the kingdom and its king and maybe even hearing snippets of what she should be doing, right? You know, et cetera. But then watching someone come alive in the joy of just following Jesus in the everyday and knowing that she herself has been called into this, invited into this, equipped for this. Um, and it's cool to, to watch this, what language, right? like in your journey, whether like the role that language played in allowing her to see this, to believe this, yeah, to value this, right? And now in God's grace, like living this. So this is where we're going, season two, the power of language. And we're really going to be walking through our reclaim training loosely. That's going to be like the loose kind of format and aim here. Um, our main training that we offer, the main foundational language that we bring everyday people through everyday church leaders, entrepreneurs that are wanting to start businesses and cities that seek the cultural good and seek to extend good news and start tables of grace and belonging. Our main training um, is reclaim and uh, it's, our, it's our language. It's our stab at some of the things that we've seen in the scriptures um, and some of the things that we know are helpful and encouraging to this mission he's given us in this world, especially among those uninterested in the church. And that's, that's our direction. That's where we're going with season two. So I'm pretty excited. Amen. Definitely looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in. Be on the lookout for episode two, drop it soon until next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.